welcome to this episode of Turkish TV Time. Today we are talking about As the Crow Flies or Kush Uchushu uh, episode one of season two. Woohoo! We're coming back around to a season two of one of our shows, which is always exciting. And um, especially this one, because uh, while being quite silly, I think we all enjoyed it. So I think we're all looking forward to the shenanigans of Asla, the local psychopath in this season. Um, I am not drinking any tea, but I kind of wish that I was. You guys have any tea? Not either. And I got tea for Christmas. Oh, you did? Oh. And I have, I have some tea. So I don't know if you guys know this, but I was, I'm like, I was, cause I think it died over the holidays, but I had like a kombucha. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And you have to, I was feeding it black tea, but then oh. obviously I forgot to feed it over the holidays, and so it died. <laughs> well, that's sad. I mean, is it easy to, like, acquire a new one and grow it? I need to ask my friend to give me another fungus. Mm. Um, It looks like a jellyfish. It's, like, kind of that. Where, where does it, like, live? It lives in a jar with tea and sugar and things that... So it's, like, sub- it's, like, submersed? Yes. Uh okay. Although it's supposed to float, and now mine is not floating, so I think that's that's why I think it's dead. Mm-hmm. I gotta look at this. I'm I'm making kefir, which is very similar. Ooh, but that's like yogurt, right? Or like milk? It's like little like bacteria's, and you put it in milk, and it's like yeah, it's like mm. drinkable yogurt. Ooh, is it like gummies? I don't know. How do you translate that? This kombucha thing is disgusting looking. I'm sorry for, for <laughs> Look the fans, at kefir but... grains. They're also disgusting. It oh, definitely no. looks like um, The Last of Us. Oh. oh. <laughs> well, the kefir grains kind of look like cauliflower or something. The other one is like straight up like here's a, the last yeah, of la- us. Here's a Last of Us pancake for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Damn. Wow. Well, I don't, I think, okay. I don't, I don't imbibe in either of those and I feel good about that. So, you don't okay. have any fermentation projects in your kitchen. No, <laughs> none. <laughs> I, uh, I douse everything in all purpose cleaner. Nothing grows. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So we'll, we will check back on the health of Sophia's kombucha and my kefir over the course of the season. See how we're doing. I really want some kefir. I it's really good. It. And it, it it's not that hard. I haven't messed it up yet. It's like iron, but without the salt, basically. Mm. And you can make it. I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to, in a couple of days, like make, there's recipes for making kefir into iron. So I'm going to try that. Interesting. So now I'm going to take us through what happened in this episode. Please interrupt me if I get something wrong Um, or I don't recognize somebody because apparently that's something that I do on all of our shows. So (laughs) first we start off with Oslo's birthday, which is at some fancy nightclub, like in the middle of the Bosphorus somewhere. Um, And the boss lady is there who I can't remember her name and I'm not sure if they said it. Good. Oh, it's good. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Who, so- who is, who is she? Do you recognize the actress? Hey. Oh, sorry. Yes. 
Oh, it's yes. Kitty. Oh my yeah. gosh, she looks so different. <laughs> yeah. She looks so pretty. She's really pretty. It's She's uh, beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I'm Amazing like... what not being in a cardigan can do to you. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I recognized her and I couldn't think of from where, but I would never have gotten to Perry. That's crazy. Really? It's, it wasn't like the last show we watched or anything. So <laughs> <laughs> she looks so different. <laughs> she does. She does. Well, yes, I agree. Her hair is not stuck to her. Exactly. Like, um, okay. And then, yeah, she has like a posse of very fake seeming friends. And we see Muge, who's like the editor lady, and she's still a drunk. And um, she asks, so Muge goes out to like have a smoke, but actually to gossip with Gu. And they talk about how they need to get rid of Asla because the show is tanking, the ratings are terrible, they hate her, all of the above. And um, Gu says, like, I'm working on it. So then we see Asla coming into work. She's dressed exactly like season one Lale, like a full-on white, like, uh, skirt blazer outfit. She looks great. And she sees that Gu has been like interviewing someone suspiciously early in the morning and she confronts her, but Gu said it says it was her lawyer, which uh, is a pretty obvious lie, I think. And well, Asla... she's also like extremely like, like making it say like, you better not like be meeting with your lawyer during office, like something really like shady and crappy yeah the the like the whole vibe is like she and i don't quite remember how last season ended but it seems like she can do or say whatever she wants with impunity and like even the owner of the freaking channel good is like quote-unquote scared of her now i don't know yes we can discuss like if that's an act just to like yeah. get through this period where she exists in their lives or if we remember something from the end if she has like dirt on them or not I, I just I honestly can't remember I can't either I can't either but it really seems like she does mm -hmm. yeah because why would you let anyone talk to you like that and like yeah. at, demand to know what your meetings are when you own the channel right you're the sword? boss yeah yeah <laughs> well I think she was also doing that thing with the fake accounts where she was like making it so certain things would trend like so character assassination yeah she, i guess she does always have that power <laughs> yeah but not only that she she like pulled up the ratings i mean at least temporarily yeah so then uh we see asla is still a crazy bitch because she has this perky assistant and she makes her take off her earrings and it's just so sad um yeah then we see that Asla gets a bunch of gifts for her birthday and Muge says that Lale used to like put all the gifts in a room and then her staff could come and take what they wanted and Asla's like no send it all to my house which is just classic classic Asla then we go and see Lale for the first time yay she's having like domestic bliss family time at her palace house on the mountain uh, but we learn that she's actually uh, not having a good time. She's not leaving the house. She's not drinking her famous red wine. And um, she is making her husband crazy by pretending to be this like domestic goddess. Um, 
Then we go back to Asla. We see that while she's reporting, basically nobody respects her. Like while she's reporting, everybody's on their phones, they're talking, nobody cares what she's saying. And we do see that she's still thinking about Yusuf, who's her ex-boyfriend um, from the first season. She thinks about calling him, but she doesn't, of course. But he's also a war correspondent in some war-torn country. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, we yeah. haven't gotten that to that yeah, because I think there was a first scene at the start of the episode where he's like in the middle of like a battleground. It wasn't quite the start, but it was like, okay. yeah, it was like after she looked at her phone and like thought about him, um, oh. like toward the middle, maybe. Yeah. 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 So her um, looking at her phone was like a nice reminder for me of like who that guy was. Yeah, I would have like. completely <laughs> forgotten that that was a character. But yeah, um, we see Kenan. He's working for another show and seems miserable and he's still having sex with randos meanwhile lale doesn't want to have sex and then we go to yusuf who as sophia said is in a war zone but like the most ridiculous uh like over exaggeration of what wartime reporting is that i've ever seen in my life he's like literally running from a hail of bullets around a deserted village there's nobody to be and then like tries to film like clearly like two groups of militants like very very stereotypically dressed militants to like about to chat or like go like i don't know a deal's about to go down or something and he's just like very unsubtly filming it and of course they all run after him yeah yeah i I wanted to add on the kenan piece too like he he's working for a really bad channel like the anchor is like really low quality like she can she she can't get through what she's saying and like she's even worse than asla i think um and that lady he's sleeping with is the really bad anchor so he continues oh like like yes she's random but like also like works with him okay but but now he's like sleeping with someone like consistently I don't know if it's consistent, but like at, I mean, she did a terrible job at the newscast. He got frustrated, then they went and slept together. <laughs> like, uh, maybe it's, maybe it's not, a one-time thing. <laughs> the fact that she did a terrible job with the newscast did not come across like oh, really? watching the subtitles. She, she was like not good, and then like people were trying to give her information like she was like reading an outdated thing and they were trying to give her information like on the air she was like oh wait wait a second yeah (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, that was bad yeah yeah kenan seemed very unhappy Mm -hmm. yeah okay we see lale doing a lot of baking for breakfast um she makes a full turkish breakfast plus like 20 different baked goods and her husband is like had enough and he shows her some news. I, I couldn't didn't really understand what the news story was that woke her up. It was it's super like vague intentionally. It, it was super intentionally vague because they didn't want to like actually name like a war and stuff. But I think it was about whatever conflict that I'm sure they're not going to go into the details of um, that Yusuf was in. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like, I guess... Nada had predicted things were going to escalate in whatever place that was happening like a year ago she she had mentioned on the news that she could see it going to whatever the state state of the conflict is now like she basically called it that it would happen like that 
um and then she like was eager to know like what people in what what you know Ankara quote unquote what the government's stance on things was and so that's the thread she started to pull on and I guess she's got like a friend with insider details or something as we see in a later scene right okay gotcha she has a source yeah yeah so that um she completely like snaps out of her funk immediately starts drinking red wine is like on the phone chatting up her sources and we see that Kenan is is also on that story, but can't really make any headway, it seems like. Then we see Lale's husband, whose name is Selim, I think. Uh, yeah, Selim. And he calls somebody on the phone and he's like, meet me at the restaurant. And it's like, ooh, who's it gonna be? Oh no, is he having an affair? But no, it's Kenan, yay. Um, and he's basically like, you can start working with Lale again. She needs it. And um, I give you my permission, basically, because they had a lot of uh, conflict in the first season. And we see Asla, she's getting really fed up with her whole situation. She completely trashes her room after reading some mean tweets. And then she's like, decides to do something about it. Then our narrator comes back, thought we were going to maybe not have him this season, but no, we do. And he says something meaningless about birds and predators and something. Uh, I really didn't pay attention, to be honest, <laughs> to the narration. Um, and then we see famously Kanan's boat and his boat sweater, which Ezgi would like to talk about at length in the gossip section. And um, they talk about like basically returning and, and making a fresh start and working together and all of that. And she's like, I still need to think about it. Asla cancels her daily news briefing meeting. And she's like, this is useless, so I'm not going to do it, which good for her does seem useless. Muge and Gu are still plotting her exit. They're going to meet that night and like go over candidates. And... Then we see Asla's broadcast. She has a deal with uh, Nunu, who is the like director booth dude. And she says the news is boring. They remove the desk. She makes the background graphics red. Ooh. And um, she puts up trending topics on some unnamed social website <laughs> um, and then discusses them as the news instead of whatever they had prepared for her to talk about. And everybody's freaking out and it's working and everybody loves it. And Lale sees it and she's like, okay, Kanan, I'm in, let's do this. Let's uh, get this back. And that is the end of the episode. Now we're going to move on into the gossip slash banter slash spilling the kombucha section. Did Sammy, did you mention at the beginning that it was her birthday party? Mm -hmm. I like, yeah, I blanked up. I, I just thought it was so egregious and I wouldn't have expected Muge to be such a good actress. Like she's completely hammered and then she's like actually sober and she hates, um, 
Asla. It's I mean it's it's weird because like to me it doesn't make sense that if Asla is so so crafty and she has like this army of like social media accounts that she can use to influence the world, then why doesn't she like succeed at being the host? Right, right. I think it's I, I think the implication is that she's being set up to fail by the crew, or that's what she thinks at least. Yeah, I think that's what I guess we come to realize later. But honestly, like it didn't strike me as that bizarre that she would be not good at it. Because like, what is she like? Twenty two years old, like literally no experience or qualifications. Like, yes, you could very well be a calculating psycho who knows how to have a bot army, but that's like a very different skill set than like connecting with people through a screen and communicating well in that uh, medium. So. I didn't think it was that crazy. I still like, I wish Netflix had a little recap. Maybe I just need to listen to our own episode uh, of, the, <laughs> of the last season finale because I just don't quite remember how she got like that whole channel like under her thumb uh, because it's truly a WTF moment. But I'm sure like the way it left off last time set it up for this. I just, yeah, I just don't remember. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I mean, she definitely has to have some dirt. If not, they wouldn't have made her the main anchor. Yeah, come on, like, is there not a million people who could do that? Truly. Yeah, so, it's yeah, also funny because she's like physically tiny versus La I think Lale is like way taller than her. So she seems like it. Yeah, I don't know if I mean that probably wasn't like an on-purpose contrast, but it's. And I mean, definitely you can see how they're comparing her to Lale at every turn, you know, like when she gets all the flowers, they're like, yeah, Lale used to give them to the employees. And then, you know, definitely, well, Asla is like paranoid that that shadow is like looming over her. Mm -hmm. I also feel like I've been trained by like CW shows that she looks like a high schooler <laughs> to me. <laughs> Yeah. So the fact yeah. that she's like this functioning adult with like, you know, that slept with Kunan last season, yeah. and it's like, oh my gosh, it's so weird. <laughs> yeah. God, she's the worst. But also, from what Sophia was saying, like Loki Muge might be one of the most evil characters. <laughs> she's so two faced. It's amazing. Yes. Yes. It's insane. It's insane. But I, I, I don't understand what game Wu gets playing because I feel like Gul could like screw her in the middle of the situation because definitely Gul has a lot of power. Muge is just like an accessory and she, I mean, if Muge did her job well, I think the show would could go better because isn't she the one that's supposed to like control the, or like propose the news stories yeah, the that they're going to Yeah, Yeah, because she and Nada were like originally partners like yeah. coming into the news business and then like, Nade was more telegenic or whatever, I guess. Yeah. So Muga always resents that. So I don't know if her in her head she thinks that she can finally be the one on TV as a result of pushing mm. um Asla out, or if she just wants someone who she can control better, because Asla cannot clearly be controlled. <laughs> yeah. But but yeah, I don't know either what her end game is. Yeah, it's weird. And like everyone is being two-faced, so you don't really know what it's going to end up as. Yeah. Yeah. What do you guys think, like the use of 
thing is, how is that going to play into this whole chess match that's being set up? I mean, the big story is this conflict, and that's what I think... I mean, I don't think Asla is going to talk about anything other than her TT trending topics, but I I think uh, Lade and Kenan are going to look into the actual news, and that's the actual news. So I don't know if like Yusuf is going to be a source or what or what, but and I mean, and he has seen just how depraved. Uh, even though he was pretty depraved too, like even he was taken aback by Asla. So I feel like he's going to be an ally to Nade and Kenan, but I don't know. I could also see him go back to his girlfriend if he's had enough of what he's doing now. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And do you think that Kenan and Lale are trying going to try and retake over the same station or are they going to have a rival show? feel like it'd be easier for them to just have a rival show yeah i yeah, think probably. so and i think like they have a lot of chance of success on their own i don't see what they why they would have to go back to Gul, right to, like betrayed them right and like probably Gul doesn't want them because they definitely had a lot of power over her much more even than asla has mm-hmm. what do you guys think of of use of being in the war front I mean, that was just such a ridiculous scene. Like, I've obviously never been a wartime reporter, but I really just thought that was so funny when he was, like, running from the bullets. He's really great at dodging bullets. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's interesting because, I and I guess this is the commentary that the show is trying to make, but, like, definitely eh, Asla is, like, more unhappy now than she was even in like her psycho or like in other times of her life because or I guess what they're trying to show is that she's never going to be happy even mm-hmm. if she achieves what she thinks will make make her happy mm-hmm. she's Which extremely paranoid fun. yeah she's True. she wants the crown but then yeah heavy is the crown so she's exactly freaking out <laughs> But I feel like that's the paradigm of our time that like you set goals for yourself and once you reach them, you're like, what are now? you sure? Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. What now? And like, am I sure that this was the goal that I wanted to reach? Mm-hmm. Well, and in the environment, she's like, obviously like, what, what the term, what is the term? Like very online, like whatever the level above that is, is what uh-huh. she is. She's always on her phone, yeah. always obsessed with what people are saying. Um, so, like, in that environment especially, that she's created for herself, she can truly never be happy because the internet is full of real and fake people who are just saying every possible, expressing every possible viewpoint about anything. So, if you look at all of it like she does, you're going to see stuff that makes you unhappy regardless. So, she's kind of, like, digging her own yeah. uh, metaphorical grave by just behaving the way she does so hopefully hopefully her literal grave honestly she's the worst i don't know how how we're gonna get rid of her except for ultimately getting rid of her <laughs> she's very diabolical i mean they did have like a bloody to the death fist fight at the yeah end of last season i remember well and i you know not, not really a spoiler because i have no idea how this season's gonna develop but they've also filmed a third season already that they're gonna release pretty oh, soon wow. so Awesome. Yeah, so I, I I would expect that Asla doesn't go anywhere <laughs> permanently in season two. 
Interesting. I feel like they could refresh the cast, though. They could, yeah. There could be, like, an underlying who's evil or something, too. Mm -hmm. Could always be. Earrings girl. Oh, God, yeah, that's her villain origin story, being made to take those earrings off. I felt, that was, that was so horrible. They were, like, little kid earrings, too, like, I know, they were, like, from Claire's or something. Yeah, (laughs) she was, like, my boyfriend got you this, and I was, like, girl, I know your boyfriend got you that, what is that? That's some, like, childish, that's childish (laughs) It's so sad that, like, Asla, like, was treated so nicely, and Lale was, like, such a nice boss, and then she's just being really crappy to this girl yeah bad okay really unimportant questions where was that restaurant that lale and nermin met at because that was a gorgeous view i don't know i I was thinking the same thing there was like a like a lighthouse type of thing outside too yeah like almost like a church spire kind of thing yeah so i don't know if that was that could that could have that could be a new place to like that could be like a you know not an old tower type of mm-hmm. thing it could have just it just could have just been one of those like fancy new places that are getting built along the Bosphorus all the time I, I wasn't it didn't look familiar to me okay too fancy for me <laughs> <laughs> um and then shall we talk about the boat sweater oh my god yeah I don't like I, I think you're right so, so when I was texting our group chat about this earlier Sammy correctly pointed out that that is not the first time we've seen that sweater and like Kenan's a big kind of muscular tall guy but he this sweater is so massive that he gets <laughs> lost in it and honestly he could like if he wanted to he could like be a turtle he could just like pull his head in and like get <laughs> lost in the sweater <laughs> and it's all he needs to wear on this boat and that makes sense because it's like 10 jackets worth of sweater all yeah. up on him so anyway, I don't know if I don't know if I should commend him for like having a single article of clothing that could probably like withstand Antarctic temperatures or condemn him for <laughs> how ugly it is. But whatever. It is it is what it is. I hope we don't have to see it again, but I'm sure if there's a boat, we're gonna see it again. We're gonna see it again. Yeah. For sure. What do we think costs more, the sweater or his yacht? <laughs> Probably the well, sweater. Those they came together. together. They, you, can't, you can't get rid of one without the other. <laughs> it's also weird because I feel like this might be just my like preconceived notion, but I, I, I'm not used to people going on boats when it's cold, so it's weird that they yeah. wear the sweater on the boat. Because like here, boats are like, summer a summer kind of thing like you're in a bikini and like it's weird yeah being from i I feel like cold boating is like definitely a thing in the northeast u.s because you got to take that boat out otherwise you got like one (laughs) month of boating (laughs) or like in in europe where people live on boats too which is like pretty common weirdly like a friend of mine lived in paris for six months or a year and she lived on a boat like parked on the me. really cool <laughs> i'd like to do a, one of those like as an airbnb i'm not sure i could live that lifestyle for longer than a week I mean, it, it doesn't move or anything which i think is good because if it moved i wouldn't be able to live there but yeah but do even docks it's gonna really like move a like... little <laughs> it's gonna like bob that would make me so the bobbing would make me more sick than if it just like <laughs> went about also, when I was in Barcelona a few months ago, there were like 
many multiple mega yachts uh moored at uh i guess there were several marinas but like what i assume to be the big marina um and one of them tons of people were taking pictures of it and i thought it was just because it was huge because it was like almost a cruise ship honestly it was i mean i think i'm exaggerating a little bit but it's very big for like what you would imagine like a, a single family using um and i forget the name now but it was like a very distinctive name that i remembered like for the week after or whatever my trip and that was when i was watching succession for the first time and like all the way through it was the yacht that they were on when they were in Croatia Ooh. in that show. So that's why people were taking pictures of it. Oh. Ah. It might be like so, Broman Abr- Abramovich or, or the one he owns like Chelsea Football Club. and Yeah, yeah. I mean, for sure some oligarch under the name of a different oligarch under the name of like their cousin under the name of their teacher owns it. <laughs> but... <laughs> anyway, that was my... my uh, celebrity yacht sighting that i figured out after the fact <laughs> maybe maybe kenan's is also a celebrity yacht we'll see maybe Never know. So it says that the, it's a super yacht um the uh succession one yeah yeah it's called the solange but it's spelled yeah ex- yeah it had it had like a yeah it had a name that i didn't know what it was <laughs> but yeah uh, it doesn't say the freaking owner. It does say how much it costs to rent it, but why would you? Yeah, it's like fully used for filming, I think, at this point. Like, I don't know if the, I mean, I'm sure the family or whoever owns it, uses it from time to time, but it's very much for like events and filming <laughs> now. I mean, makes sense. That's crazy. Like, who has the money for that? And it only like fits 12 guests but it has a crew of 29 like what the fuck oh my god that's so wasteful (laughs) Mm -hmm. that is the definition of like extreme wealth yeah that's that is edible wealth right there eat the (laughs) eat that rich (laughs) like imagine having twice as many more than twice as much crew as you have passengers Anyway, we digress. Anyway, also... <laughs> anything else for this section? I, I still don't understand how her like fake accounts work. Like, how can she tweet from all of these accounts at the same time? Like, why is it so revolutionary that she like changed the format of the show and like that attracted? Yeah, people? yeah. I thought the format was stupid. That's like that's like that's like a uh, glorified um what's its face? What's that show? inside edition that's like that's not real that's not real news it's just like a magazine a news magazine kind of thing but like what also news is tv news is like kind of irrelevant at this point like so why so why is it i mean i guess it's like slightly more relevant to turkey but it's like only more relevant because of like older people like the demographic she's targeting is never even gonna flip that channel so i don't get it i think it's a stretch definitely a stretch and it's weird honestly like probably the target demographic for yeah is that what it was called the show i thought it had a different name like the other edge or whatever the other side yeah yeah i guess never paid attention to what the news program was called okay (laughs) 
Um, like that show's probably not watched by the young fake bot people. Yeah. Or like equivalent. So it's just confusing to me why the ratings would spike. Like people that are young are probably not watching like broadcast TV if they can help it. Mm-hmm. So it just doesn't make sense logically to me. Yeah. Yeah, I think you got to suspend disbelief on this one. She's revolutionized totally. the cable news industry <laughs> in one, one move, moving that desk. It's funny that Netflix is the one that's showing that because like Netflix already made it so that we hate, at least I hate watching broadcast TV. I hate watching ads. I cannot watch yeah. an ad now without being very, very annoyed. Um, Although I have to watch them on YouTube, but... <laughs> that's a different story but yeah i i just i guess we have to suspend disbelief but that is just something that's impossible it's too much to, to ask for sophia about. huh it's too much to ask for sophia <laughs> yes for sure <laughs> So now we are going to move on into the history section where we are talking about uh, Lale's iconic red wine drinking habit, uh, which is apparently connected to her journalism superpowers. And we're going to be talking about wine in Turkey. So Sophia, take it away. Okay. So I don't know if you guys are listeners new, but Turkey is a, uh, a country that produces wine and a good amount of wine. Um, and it is one of the most ancient wine producing regions in the world, which I was not aware of personally. Um, but it's like the wines are not as popular worldwide as wines from other countries. Um, and basically there's over 420,000 hectares planted of, um, grapes around the world. Uh, Sorry, in Turkey, not around the world. Um, and it's the fifth country with the largest vineyard area in the world. So it's definitely top five wine producing countries. Um, and But most of the land is used to produce fresh and dried grapes rather than wine grapes. So that's why there's not a big amount of wine making. Um, and only around 15% of this area is dedicated to wine grapes. So this is like way below countries like Greece, Georgia, and Romania, which have much more wine production but I guess are even I mean I, I had no clue that these countries produce wine either <laughs> um and so basically the reason why the number of or the percentage of wine grapes is so low is because um during Ottoman rule only the non-Muslim populations were allowed to produce and consume wine which is still not that small but I mean definitely smaller than the total population um and then once the population exchange took place that also decreased the number of or decreased the wine production because a lot of the like knowledge on how to produce wine came from the greek community that lived in turkey um so that obviously changed a little bit about the technical knowledge of wine production and then in 1925 wine production was monopolized by the state so that obviously also uh, made it a field where private investors couldn't invest since it was controlled by the state. Um, and so that like led to not as 
fast of a growth of the industry. Um, so it's it, like when the 20th century came around, there's been like more sustained wine production and there's more of a focus on increasing the quality of the wine and positioning it worldwide. So since the mid 90s, there's been a push to to do this and wine production has more than doubled since 2000 and consumption has nearly tripled. So it's definitely growing. Um, but the it's it's mostly focused on domestic production. It's there's not a lot of exports to date. Um, but basically, the idea is to continue positioning it, um, just in general throughout the world. So, a little bit about where wine is grown in Turkey. So, the west uh, of the country and the south have Mediterranean conditions. Um. While, well, this is just general climate of Turkey, but that's going to come into, well, it's going to be important when we talk about the types of grapes. But basically, uh, the vineyards are usually in the higher altitude, so like more in the Black Sea and the northern areas of Turkey. Um, and the average elevation of Turkey, which I didn't know, is 1,140 meters above sea level. So it's pretty, it's higher than most uh, wine producing countries in the Mediterranean. And this, this makes it so the ripening period for the grapes is longer. Um, and it gives the grapes more time to like develop a flavor complexity, but they're still like have the fresh acidity. Um, so now I'm very curious to taste <laughs> these Turkish wines. Um, and so even though grapes are grown all over the country, some areas because of their climate produce better grapes. And so the central and eastern Black Sea coast um, has a lot of, um, you know, water, which means that it, I mean, a lot of rainfall. So that creates a lot of disease, unfortunately. And the eastern highlands are too high because they're over 2,300, 2,000 and 3,000 meters above sea level, which is too high to grow the correct grapes. Um. So basically the, the four regions that produce nearly 85% of wine grapes are, um, well, the Aegean, the Aegean region, which produces 30% of national um, wine production. And shout out to one of our favorite islands, Bostjada produces <laughs> a lot of wine. I think I remember that from where we, when we went there, right? There, they sold a lot of wine. Mm -hmm. um, and the grapes little... could only like, those particular grapes were endemic to the island because they had evolved or been cultivated to withstand the constant wind, basically, because there's like almost no vegetation on the island to shelter the vineyards. So they had to either die or adapt, and they adapted. <laughs> That's really cool. And then there's, I mean, other coastal Aegean, like Bodrum and other nearby areas. And then there's Aegean inlands like Manisa, Denizli, and Ushak. Um, and then there's the Southeast Zone, which has some black grape varieties. Um, and some of the subzones are Diyarbakir, which I'm surprised that's a wine-producing area. I had no clue. Um, and then there's Thrace. So there's like Gallipoli, the Gallipoli Peninsula, Central Anatolia, including Cappadocia, and uh, North... Great North Thrace as well. I didn't know that Cappadocia produced wine. I'm learning a lot. <laughs> so there's a bunch of indigenous um wine grape wine grape sorry grape wine grape varieties to Turkey. 
I'm sorry, we're recording at night and my brain is <laughs> not functioning as well. <laughs> and then there's also some like of the more internationally known varieties like Syrah, Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, amongst others. Um, and one of the grape spotlights for Turkey is it's called Okuzgozu. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but it's the eye of the bull, which is like a well-known um, kind of grape here. And it produces, um, well, if you're into this very technical wine, juicy medium bodied wines with soft ripe tannins and aromas of violets, red and black prunes. <laughs> <More com> <laughs> I feel like a sommelier already. <laughs> to more complex oak aged wines showing sweet spices alongside ripe fruits. Um, and those are the like uh, purple grape types. And then there's white grape as well, or green actually grapes, <laughs> but I guess they're called white grapes for white wine. Um, and so there's the, there's a couple of like endemic varieties as well, like the Sultanie, which is the most planted among all the grapes, but not all of it is used for wine production. The majority is not used for wine production. And then there's the Narinje grape, um, which is also, that's like the leading white wine variety. And then there's other like more international variety or like non-endemic, like Chardonnay, Sauvignon Blanc, amongst others. And the Narinje grape, that means delicately in Turkish. Um, and so it makes fruity wines with medium acidity. So that sounds, I mean, I'm not a sommelier, so this doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I'm willing to try all these wines. Um, but it's really interesting. And in, in what you mentioned, Ezgi, apparently there's a lot of endemic grape types to Turkey. Um, sadly, they're not as well positioned abroad, but hopefully everyone can listen to our podcast and want to go drink Turkish wine. <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately, I mean, we do have a, very very conservative government and I mean, quite frankly even if the government wasn't the way it is it's a conservative society a lot of people are religious uh religiously observant with islam and therefore don't drink so there's not a culture of wine drinking i i watch a few different travel programs like just like youtube kind of travel shows where it's turkish people going around turkey and there's been like in the last several years there there's been i mean they're they're like you know secular folks they're not they're they they drink alcohol in their their daily lives as well but um they just don't know like they go to vineyards and they're like stunned they're like wow this is here and oh my god this is <laughs> turkish wine this is so good who knew it's like well you you sh i wish you'd known because you've lived in turkey your whole life and you know a lot of these places are the really there's really nice vineyards out popping up around like just outside of Izmir um but yeah people just have absolutely no idea that they exist other than a few like people who with specific interests but like typically those people cultivate that interest abroad and then mm -hmm. they realize it exists in Turkey so yeah it's just not the same as you know in the U.S. we have a pretty pronounced maybe almost to an unhealthy point drinking culture um and then may and maybe in some places in Europe similarly um, I don't know about Latin America, Sophie, I can't directly speak to that, but there's just not really an awareness of, they're like, for example, there's like 
almost no craft beers in Turkey, which like mm-hmm. in a country of 85 million, you'd be like, oh, there must be breweries popping out of everywhere because that's how it is in the US, certainly. But yeah. no. I feel like the last <laughs> time I went, there was a lot more like craft raka and like yeah, limited edition raka and stuff like that. So it's I'm sure it's coming. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we have a ton of craft beers here, a lot. Yeah. And I don't really like beer, so I don't really <laughs> Me like neither. Or like to focus on that. But definitely there's been a boom of like smaller breweries. Yeah. And actually one of like the small breweries was bought up by like one really big beverage mm-hmm. company. Mm-hmm. Um but there's I mean, wine drinking culture is not that big because wine is more expensive because we don't I mean we actually <laughs> I know someone who has a vineyard here, but obviously like a wine from Colombia is like not as good as like a wine from anywhere else. And I guess most people have access to, well, now it's like sold everywhere because now we have like low cost supermarkets that sell wine. And um, I think that's probably made wine a lot more mainstream, but it's more of a beer country, I think. So let's move on to our favorite and final section, which is what the fuck, Sultan of Success and Fatima's hit list. Um, what are your what the fucks for this episode? I had one that I forgot. <laughs> uh. <sighs> Tragic. <laughs> well, I guess what the fuck with Mulge being such a good actress? Like, how did she act? <laughs> she wasn't, and she's a drunk. Like. I'm sorry, not a drunk, but she's an alcoholic from what they've yeah. shown in mm-hmm. previous seasons. So surprising and weird. Um, I think she was always, I think I recall her being kind of two-faced last season yes, too. Because like clearly sure. like Nadia thought Muga was her friend and like Muga's hated her guts for what seems like a long time. But yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know. When I watched the nightclub scene at the beginning, I was like, is she faking it? Because like she, when she went out to have a smoke like very well timed yeah. with uh good yeah and i think uh i think um asla picked up on that a little bit too because that look she was giving me get outside was scary <laughs> yeah and then like how weird it is for them to have the the whole eh, i mean just i just blanked again um oh how elaborate lale's like dishes are like imagine how many hours it took to make like the little happy face mouse Mm. with like the carrot tail and stuff like (laughs) i i hope someone ate that food like they probably had to make (laughs) 10 different versions yeah i worry about onset food i feel like a lot of it gets thrown out i don't really want to know the reality of it but i feel like that must be it especially on turkish shows where they have like massive spreads and then no one ever puts anything in their mouth like <laughs> at least at least on why? american shows there's someone like at least one person's eating i feel like i don't know why they don't i think it's, it's like, hard when you're like you are shooting multiple takes and then there's yeah. like inconsistencies with how much food is eaten so yeah. they just if you mm-hmm. just sit at a table where there's food it's a lot easier than if they're actually eating it's like in love is blind when they have the not see-through glasses because (laughs) 
then uh, you would see how their editing is not chronological. Iconic. <laughs> oh my God, iconic we need another podcast on Love is Blind because I have so many things that I want to discuss. New season coming out on this is Charlotte season. Day. I'm pretty excited. <laughs> and I read the Swedish version is really good. Oh yeah, I just saw that on Netflix. I haven't watched the it yet. Uh, the Japanese version is just like an emotional roller coaster. It's not oh. it's not like dirt at all. It's like they're very nice people. It's sad. <laughs> yeah, the US nice. version just became really trash. Yeah, yeah. Immediately too. It was like one season after one season, everyone figured out that they could just get on TV. Well, and except for season it. four had three, still has three couples together, which is crazy. And then oh, season five was a complete crazy. dumpster fire. Yeah. Wait, which one is four? four I, I watched the last one. I watched that one. And yeah. this, there's still two couples together, I think. Three. But then two couples sued Netflix. Oh. Or like two women sued Netflix. Yeah, for like yeah, yeah, yeah. Putting yeah. them in danger. One because she was engaged to a guy that was violent, and yeah. they actually oh. went to Mexico, and that's that's why the editing is so weird, mm-hmm. and why they have uh, Renee in the like wedding section in the wedding scene when she wasn't as friendly. Right, with them. right, right, right. But there was another woman that they couldn't show anything of at all. They like they never showed her, and it's because she sued Netflix. But she also made it to the Mexico thing, like to the trip. Mm-hmm. Definitely comment on this pod if you want to hear <laughs> a, a new pod about love is mine. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Let us know. <laughs> We're willing and able. <laughs> um, Esgi, do you have any what the fucks? Beyond the sweater? No, I don't think I do. <laughs> We've already discussed that at length. <laughs> um, and then, I mean, also, again, I think there was a somewhat decent reason, at least in the, within the paradigm of this very hard-to-believe show, uh, for Oslo to have all this power within the channel, but I just can't remember it. So all of her behavior, I just blanket WTF. But, I, I, yeah, I, again, within the logic of this insane show, I think there was probably an explanation for it that I can't remember. <laughs> what about Um, you sammy i'm gonna say there was a lot of slow-mo walking in this episode Mm. uh which i'm into because like especially the women their hair is just like perfectly blown out and the slow-mo really like lets you look at how perfect it is but it was a lot um and then also there's just so many white outfits on this show yeah and like for me like I cannot especially like white bottoms I'm just so paranoid about like sitting on something or mm-hmm. I just cannot and and all of these women are just sporting white full-on white outfits all the time mm-hmm. in a in a city like they're they gotta be taking public transportation and stuff what are we doing here mm-hmm. crazy <laughs> they definitely don't take public transportation because they have <laughs> a company issued car that that is such a like there's a lot of like rich people falling from grace type of shows always on on Turkish TV, but I've noticed in the past several years this trope of like rich people fall from grace either temporarily or um rather permanently. 
and they like b- get on a city bus but they like have no idea how to do anything on the city <laughs> bus and then someone inevitably has to like hit, use their estable card and like they'll like start to pull out like wads of cash and be like can i get a ticket and the bus driver will just be like no that's not how this works <laughs> so this i love that very that's much a, a plot point that i've seen like 10 times in the last two three years <laughs> Um, okay, who is our Sultan of Success for this episode? Oh, I would like to no nominate one. Selim. Yeah, okay, he was very mature about like his wife's well being and not super jealous. supportive. Yeah, helped her out. Yeah, I like not having Asla as this person. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Although she did revolutionize how news is delivered to people. <laughs> um, I mean, she did she did have an army of bots like tweeting out how great her program is so it's mm-hmm. not like it was people were that dumb but also people were a little dumb yeah they did show like randos in the street tweeting about how yeah. great it was so well no but those randos were the people remember she called someone and she was like i know need... oh, those were the people she paid yeah those were okay. like two hundred thousand dollar or whatever they were once <laughs> what hundred thousand lyrics <laughs> Um, okay, Fatima's hit list. Asla, like always. Yeah, Asla. <laughs> she, can we send her to the war zone? I don't think she'd make it. <laughs> 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 I worry about, I don't want to like put Fatima's life in danger, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure about sending her up against Asla. I'm not sure she's prepared. Yeah. Because, like, uh, Fatma's still got, like, a sense of justice guiding her. Asla is just evil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, oh, sorry, d- late WTF, Asla's giant portraits of herself, like, in her dressing room and in her house. Yes. Her so, house like, was weird in general. Her house yeah. was weird. I agree. It was, like, very warehouse-y. Yeah. Do we think she sent herself those presents? Oh, yes. <laughs> now that you say yeah. that, 100% yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely kiss asses around her, but to spend that much money, I think that was herself. <laughs> I think they're probably all empty. Oh, could be. Or there's could just be. like potatoes in there for weight or something. <laughs> Why is everything rolling in all these? <laughs> <laughs> all right, then. Thank you all so much for listening. Uh, congratulations to Selim for being the best uh, TV show husband that we've seen in our long years of podcasting. Uh, watch out to Asla. Um, please don't take Fatma out when she comes for you. And next time we'll be talking about episode two.